When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and Av, think of me as the third pig. And I'm Av Sinensky, and I'm married, so I can do whatever I want. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 5, Episode 9, The Korean Bookie, which originally aired on November 27th, 2005. I, I gotta say, like, the name almost makes me a little bit nervous because of sort of the, the cliche in the Seinfeld Curb world, sort of the always sort of stereotyping Asians and Asian Americans. But I don't think that he, uh, the Bobby Lee character, was necessarily so bad, right? He's not so bad. I mean, I guess the eating dogs thing might not be uh, very welcome by everyone. But Sure. But I think that the argument would be that Larry is portraying his own racism because he makes up a whole story about this guy based on nothing. Based on nothing, yes. <laughs> based on racism, basically. Based on racism, correct. Yeah. And then a bunch of white people believe it, basically. So Right, just because Larry said right. There's no, no one has any yeah. evidence at all. Yeah. No, I guess the question is, is he – and, you know, this is almost like a thing with, with uh, Borat, like some people would say. Is he, is he normalizing it or is he making fun of it? So I guess you can make an argument either way. But uh, let's jump into the recap and then argue about that some more. Sure. So we're uh, at home with Cheryl and Larry, and Cheryl's like, come on, let's go. We're late. We got to go to uh, Marla and Mark's uh, beach barbecue party that they're having. And um, Larry's like, all right, but I need to grab a jacket first. And she's like, jacket? What do you need a jacket? He's like, well, you know, sometimes it gets chilly at the beach, which it does, especially at night. Do we know what time of year this is? So we had Passover a couple weeks ago, then we had a baseball game. So is this like Yeah, but it also was snowing, so it's a little confusing. But yeah, we'll assume it's the springtime, because why not? Um, she also doesn't like his corduroys. Um, Larry's really, uh, he's on the, uh, he's still upset that she cares about the coat. He's like, you know, I think of myself as the third pig. I built my house with bricks. Mm-hmm. He comes prepared. Um, Cheryl is kind of really, um, just dismissive of him. Uh, she's really more concerned, uh, that he should apologize to Mark for the incident at the Seder where she acu- he accused him of stealing his newspapers. And Larry's, mm-hmm. Larry views it as, I already kind of apologized to him. It's obviously water under the bridge at this point. Yeah, in Larry's opinion. In Larry's opinion, yeah. So we uh, we head over to the beach, and everyone's having a nice time, except, of course, for Larry, who is very cold. Oh, interesting. Um, he probably could have used Bernie Sanders' coat. Mm. And, and the gloves, yeah. yeah. Good, good, good meme. Yeah. Um, here's my question for you. What does Cheryl say? Cheryl says that she's scared to go to bed because the freaks at DuPont might get out of the cave. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant. What the hell is she talking about there? <laughs> I don't know. I wrote that down verbatim. The freaks at DuPont might get out of the cave. Yeah, I don't know what that meant. Let's see what freaks at DuPont means. Meet the freaks of DuPont. Oh. Okay, so it looks like it's a Who thing. are the freaks of DuPont? I'm Googling. It said there's a YouTube video. And they're hanging out at the cave next to the beach and um, wherever they are no. in, this is in just the some, LA like, area. This is hanging out in a house. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Larry, so Larry heads over to the car to get his jacket, but when he looks in the car, it's missing. He looks over, sees Marla's wearing it, uh, which he thinks is, like, completely outrageous. Uh, he's right. And Cheryl's like, nah, it's not a big deal, so she took your coat. Who cares? Uh, yeah, she took your coat. Like, she went, it's, like, it's not like it was on a chair. She went into someone's car and just took their coat? What the hell kind of Wait, crazy behavior is this? You're, you're on Larry's side. Of course I'm on Larry's side. Oh, okay. Oh, because it sounded for a second like you were on Cheryl's side. No. And I was going to go crazy. No, 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 no. Like, you, you can't... It's, it is insane <laughs> that Cheryl defends Marley. Yeah, you can't go to somebody else's car and take their coat. Yeah, it's completely insane. But of course Cheryl's mad at uh, you know Larry and defends Marla. By the way, why was the car even unlocked? 
Yeah, good question, but whatever. You know, that's you know a minor violation at, at worst. You know, maybe because you know they were. Well, no, that doesn't ju- that doesn't justify her behavior. No. But I think it just you know it's a bad job. By I Larry guess, but place. I guess you know it's probably like you know they're they're they can see the car from where they are. Everyone's hanging it out. Like it's not as important. So maybe he just like didn't. Yeah, didn't think if, of it. If I'm in that scenario, if I'm at that beach like that, and I were to leave my car open, I would spend every second of the night staring nervously at the car, and I like I would not be able to relax on the beach whatsoever. Right. I guess. Well, I mean, it, it seemed like they're right there. Like it was like a two-second walk from the time that like he goes yeah. to grab it. Yeah. Um, Still, but yeah, no. I mean, you know, if, I mean, he, he would have been robbed if if he hadn't. Yeah. When I was in law school, I had um, my dad gave me his old like hand-me-down uh, car, and it was a convertible. And I never. Now, first of all, the convertible top didn't really work. It wouldn't really go up and down. If you put it in one position, you were stuck like that permanently. So that might have affected my decision-making anyways. But I would never take the convertible – like if I had the top down, I would never park the car anywhere even for one minute somewhere. And I would like walk past cars in the city with like their tops down. And I was like, I don't know, this arrogance or this confidence of like, oh, I'm just going to leave my car here. No one's going to destroy it. I don't know. I just uh, – or maybe I'm just paranoid. I don't know. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean you are pretty paranoid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean – I, I could see it in that situation, but I mean, I've walked past like uh, c- convertible cars parked in like parking lots, and they like leave stuff on the chair. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. That's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't understand these people. So I, I would never a, leave my car locked. That's why I don't drive a convertible. My, I should have said, my neighbor across the street never locks his car ever, ever. He leaves the key, like the button, in the car itself. And he says that way he never has to look for his key because he just knows where it is. So that's very stupid. I'm like, yeah, but, but so does everybody else. So fast forward. He got his car stolen. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and so he comes up to me. This is this happened uh, earlier in 2020. Not a, you know he it was it was parked right in front of his house and it got stolen. So he comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, do you have any you know do you know what happened?" And he asked me like, "Do you know anything about it?" I'm like, "No." And he's like so upset that his car got stolen. I'm like, "Well, but you did leave the key like you know." Yeah. No. I mean that that was a uh, that was an, a a predictable ending to that story. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yes, anyway, so Mark gathers everybody together and announces that him and Marla are going to be gathering married right back here on the 14th, and everyone should save the date because everyone's invited and everyone is very excited. So Larry goes over to congratulate them uh, and says, by the way, where did you get that jacket? And Marla, and, you know, because it's mine. And, you know, I specifically brought it because, you know, I, I anticipated that it might be cold tonight. And turns out I'm smart because it is kind of cold. And she's like, oh, like, do you want me to give you the jacket back? Like, she kind of, like, says it in a way that, like, he should like he should feel like an asshole for asking. And he's like, yes, as a matter of fact, I would. And as he's putting it on, he notices that there's a stain on it, which she explains came from a s'more. And he's like, oh, that's why I don't like s'mores. S'mores are very messy. We, we, were, we got very into s'mores this past uh, summer because I, yeah. I had, like, a fire pit and I got, like, yeah. these, like, special... Ah. Uh, contraptions to like put the s'mores in so like we made them a bunch of times with friends uh it was really oh, good, like but... metal contraptions you mean or something it's like a thing it's like a metal contraption like it folds in half yeah. and then you could put it inside and fold it back in and lock it so that yeah. way you so can just kind of like you. hold it over the fire and like turn it and like it, it it cooks nicely the whole s'more you're saying yeah 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 you like ah. you like build a s'more ah, okay like with the marshmallow to show off and everything together and then it kind of it keeps it in place so that way you can hold it out over the fire and turn it and it cooks really nicely oh. no that's helpful because we we just have like the long sticks for the marshmallows yeah and then you have to but like, then after the chocolate's that. never melted right yeah there's a there's yeah. like it's it an, there's an art to it like we um so like I go and like I microwave the marshmallows a little bit before or put them in a toaster. Because marshmallows take much faster to cook than chocolate. Yeah. So if you – you have to, like, time it all well. Otherwise, you end up with, like, marshmallows everywhere. And mm. so, like, I, I – whatever. It's – until I did it, like, three or four times until I got it right. And now I'm an expert s'mores maker. Ah, uh, okay. Um, anyway, yeah, they're a big mess is the uh, is the yeah. conclusion. Uh, but here, here's my issue. Like, the focus of the jacket conflict seems to be whether Marla should wear it or Larry should wear it. So whether Larry should be chivalrous. But, like, it's, it's driving me nuts because, like, the focus should be on the fact that she opened up someone else's car and stole something without even asking. It's it's like it's so insane to me, and like the the show doesn't even really address this. By the way, even if like if she happened to pass the cars, she saw a jacket in someone else's car. The car happened to be open. She took the jacket. Let's say all that happens. A normal person, sort of, as she comes back to the group, she says, "Oh, by the way, whose jacket is this? I hope it's okay. I opened your car, borrowed that." Like, right. That would be okay, but she didn't do that. She did nothing until she gets caught, and then the whole issue is, "Well, are you going to be sure to let me wear it or not?" Like. Am I going crazy here? No, you're not crazy. And I, okay. what was exactly was her plan? Like, was she going to return the jacket? Was she going to keep it? Like, she doesn't even know who it belongs to. Yeah, it's um, 
it, it's not really thought out. More of the story than what actually happens. But and by the way, I have another question. The wedding is announced as the fourteenth, which means they're getting married in like less than a month, presumably, right? Um, or probably I, less than thirteen days. Yeah. Isn't that a, a rather short engagement? It's a rather short engagement, but it seems yeah. like it's not a very formal affair when we see it at the end. So I guess so. It's, have you been to a wedding on a beach? Um, I was um, a friend of the podcast. A.B. Sutton got married on a beach. Ah, the okay. uh, the hoppa was on the beach. The uh, the ceremony, the uh, reception was not. That was like it ah. was it was like in a hotel on the beach. So like it was in like the ballroom, and then mm. the ceremony was out on the beach. It was very beautiful. Was the in Savannah, Georgia? I believe um, it was not. It was in Hilton Head, oh. South Carolina. He uh, oh, okay. the like the weekend was in Savannah, where his wife is from, and then the wedding itself was in Hilton Head, which is like forty minutes north or so. It was a very oh, very okay. fun weekend. Very beautiful wedding. Um, but at the ceremony itself, people were wearing shoes. Uh, I believe so. I believe I was wearing shoes. But like, yeah, because I've been to a wedding on a beach and as I recall, like they put like a surface. They put like planks planks of wood down. Yeah. We weren't weren't wearing high heels and stuff. Yeah, no one was standing on sands. It it was like they they created like a a, a fixed, like a stage. Yeah, I think that's what my memory is. I just, yeah, it seems very odd. But this wedding is a wedding where, yeah, people will be barefoot. Yeah, I mean, but, people uh, in L.A. do all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. By the way, once again, we find someone who's so incredibly close to Larry uh, and Cheryl that they're one of the you know tiny circle of friends in front of whom they get engaged. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we won't see them very much after this. Yeah, or before, other than the one time that yeah, he accused of him of stealing. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it's, it's clear that Marla is Cheryl's friend because Larry didn't get the newspaper for him anymore to the New York Times yeah. because they had broken up and he's like, all right, I don't have to, you know, get this guy a gift anymore. But now yeah. then he was back in the picture and like that kind of changed things. But yeah. Anytime there's a couple, they're going to, well, I guess Susie and Cheryl are friends through Larry and uh, Jeff. Cause I was gonna say, anytime there's a couple who's friends with a couple in this show, it's going to be through, uh, through Cheryl. Yeah. Usually Larry. because but, who wants to be friends with Larry? Yeah. But then like, I don't know. Cause Larry's, but I don't know all these celebrities like, you know, Larry and Ted Danson, for example. So maybe not, maybe Larry is bringing uh, couples into the, yeah, but that's really, that's really scene. more of a Ted Cheryl relationship. Eventually. But I think it starts because Larry and Ted have the NBC connection, right? I guess. But even at the beginning, we saw that it was really the, each, they get along better for sure. Ted and yeah. Ted and Cheryl and Larry and Mary. Yeah, but I just but what's the source of the initial friendship? Like, yeah, how did it get to be probably friends? NBC. Yeah, probably through. Uh, yeah, Cheryl's definitely. Uh, I don't know, but we never really, uh, as I've said in the show before, we've we've never found out Cheryl's backstory. We don't. Ever, we never do. We never. We know very little about Cheryl. Maybe season eleven. Yeah. Mm. It'll be like a flashback season. She was directing episodes in season ten. She could have given a give it. Yeah, give us a flashback. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she uh, she offers to uh, to have the jacket washed, and we uh, we head back home. And Cheryl is still is is mad at Larry that Larry made a big deal about the jacket. He should have just kept his mouth shut. And Larry said, "No, I was in the right, and I should be reward- rewarded for my foresight that I knew it would be cold." And Cheryl's like, "You know, like you really like you didn't just say anything, especially it's their engagement night." I I do agree that once like they got engaged like sure. larry should just like keep his mouth shut for at least for the rest of the night like it was like you don't need to go now like make a whole thing when it's like it's not just like a hangout now this is like somebody's engagement party yeah but did he really make a whole thing i feel like he was oh i guess you bring it up at all i mean it's like she yeah. like 45 seconds ago it was announced we're engaged and the first thing he's like congratulations did you steal my coat <laughs> so like I yeah can't... well but it's even better that when everyone crowds around them to celebrate larry stands off pissed for the first, uh, you know, several seconds. But then he sort of recovers momentarily. Right. Um, and she's like, you know, if you really want to be the third pig, that means taking care of the other pigs. Mm. And yes, Larry says, fair, fair enough. But, you know, I'm not going to be the one that's stupid enough to come home and find that some other fucking pig is living in my house and I'm <laughs> locked out now. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, is a fair point as well. By the way, I got to say, I got to give credit to Curb. When Larry mentions the pig thing in the first scene, I didn't expect it to come back. Yeah. You know, they, they do a good job with the three pigs. Yeah. Um, so, we, yeah, so we head to the next morning and uh, Larry's meeting with, with his bookie, the Korean bookie from the episode. Oh, the title. three pigs themselves do not do a good job. Uh, well, one of the three does a good job. No, but even he, he's an asshole. They sit there and they make fun of the, the wolf for really no reason. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. What basically, the, what you the teach your kids is. that if you're secure from, uh, from a dangerous threat, then you should mock that threat. Like, that seems like a very bad lesson to teach. Yeah, what I want to understand is how the big bad wolf is in all these stories and everyone he dies in. Like, there's, that's not – there's that last continuity. Like, how is he – if he gets killed by the three little pigs, then how is he alive to harass Goldilocks? Is this the Sorry, same not big Goldilocks. bad wolf? Sorry, not Goldilocks. 
Little Red Riding Little Hood. Little Red Riding Hood, yeah. But is this, is this the same Big Bad Wolf? I mean, I think there's a character called the Big Bad Wolf. It's not it's not a Big Bad Wolf. It's the Big Bad Wolf. Ah, okay, that's fair. My 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 son, my third son, is convinced that wolves, all wolves, are like like the 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 full like scientific name of a wolf is Big Bad Wolf, <laughs> and he, because uh, of the books, and he insists that wolves are very bad and that they're always hiding in in strange places. So I've tried to explain to him what you're saying, that it's a character in a specific story, but he's not buying that. Yeah. Is it the same as a boy who cried wolf? Is this the wolf that he was crying for? Well, my son's crying about these wolves, but yeah. Is it the same so wolf? He, so he thinks the name of the animal is Big Bad Wolf. So there's like dog, there's cat, there's Big Bad Wolf. Hmm. I don't know. It's only the wolf that he's really brought up. I'll follow up on that. Okay. Uh, does he think all dogs are Clifford the dog? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I I had a Clifford in my bunk at camp in like third or fourth grade, and so because of that, his nickname was obviously Clifford the dog, um, and and because of that, I remember like the 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 Clifford the dog narrative quite well, and my kids were very impressed with my knowledge of of the Clifford the dog series. I don't think I ever read the book; I just knew it from like things that like this kid was. Louis has a whole bit about Clifford the Clifford books where he's like, I think I should remember that. <laughs> it's like Clifford Clifford at the circus, Clifford at the fair. He's big. He's big at the circus. He's big at the fair. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, <laughs> we get it. He's big. Yeah. By the way, um, in in one of the Clifford books that we have, Clifford enters a dog show and finishes in second place. Who finishes in first place? Some other dog. They don't. They don't say. They just show a picture, and Clifford's like standing on like the second place thing, and there's a little random poodle in first place. What the fuck kind of dog is beating Clifford? Yeah, like Clif- I want to meet the Clifford's. How are you a better dog. dog than Clifford? Clifford's a very good dog. Yeah, very big. Oh, great. Clifford the yes. big red dog. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, we're explaining. Uh, Larry's explaining the whole story to this bookie about uh, the jacket, and the bookie's like, "I'm not really getting this whole three pigs story. I don't know what you're talking about." So Larry, again, just just for the record, Bobby Lee was born in San Diego. Yeah, so Larry, but he has a, like a very off the boat accent here. So uh, Larry starts explaining to him that whole background, and he's like, "You know, I'm the pig with the bricks." Um, well, you know, as it turns out, the reason the bookie is here is because Larry owes him $300 because he has bet on the Clippers, which always seems like it would be a mistake, uh, especially in those days. Or I guess this is yeah. just around when the Clippers are starting to become decent, right? Uh, it's always a bad idea to bet on the Clippers. Yeah. Um, but he has an even worse idea. He's going to bet on the Knicks next. Mm. <laughs> um, so as he's walking in the house and Cheryl's there with Susie and Oscar and Larry. What makes- do you think of uh, Susie's outfit, by the way? Uh, yeah, not great. She seems to be, have been inspired by Rachel, the Orthodox Jewess, because she has a very uh, traditional head covering on. Interesting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe she, you know, or she just like she played the part of an Orthodox Jewess, and she's like, you know what? I like that. Maybe. She oh, that's she, true. Maybe she, she. Oh, yeah, good point. She herself was pretending to be one. Yeah, maybe she, she was like, you know, some some women who like cover their hair and like they're like, you yeah. know what? It's like I don't have to like worry about my hair. I just put on a wig. Like, you know the first thing about fashion, Larry. <laughs> exactly, right. She's like, that's you know, a, right. She's like, oh, why should I spend an hour in the morning? Well, you know, she, especially she has very curly hair. It could take her forever. She could just put on a wig now. Yeah. Um, so Larry makes a comment about how... Uh, By the way, do, do you find it believable that Larry has like a book? This is a very seinfeld thing, right? Where um, in Seinfeld, there would be, you know, there was, there was Mike, the, the phony, the, the bookie character. And so Larry brings him back here. But I just don't find it believable that that Larry David would have a bookie. Yeah, he does. Right, he doesn't like usually seem like somebody who's like mixed up and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, and he's also and he's not really into sports that much. I mean, he's a fan, but he's not like you know obsessively thinking about it. Certainly not basketball. Um, you know, the last time he mentioned basketball was when he was injuring Shaq. Yeah, um, it's also, and also by this time you could be doing it online or whatever. Yeah, but Larry, there's no way Larry's betting online. Yeah, but Larry would tell his assistant. I don't know. Well, like, yeah, Larry's like setting up like a VPN so he can go on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, um, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's a little strange because I do think it's out of character and it's just like it's not that necessary to the plot because it's like all it yeah. is is that like he just occasionally makes bets with this guy and it, it only comes yeah. up because he's like upset one time. So just it's like, oh, we need to come up with a way for Larry to be upset about something. So let's have him losing bets and also like he's losing like a hundred bucks at a time. Like who gives a shit? Yeah. Worth I mean, in Seinfeld, it works because Kramer is the kind of person who would have, who would have a book for fact, sure. Kramer had a gambling yes. problem. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but it, it doesn't, doesn't it doesn't really make a lot of sense here. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Seinfeld's a pretty good show. Seinfeld's a great show. Someone should do a podcast. Uh, someone should. Um, 
So uh, Larry makes this comment about how Oscar is getting really funny. You're feeding him. He's as fat as a horse. And Susie's very upset by this. She's like hurting his feelings by calling him fat. And of course, Larry's like, well, I don't think he even understands. She's like, of course he understands. And he's like, well, you call Jeff a fucking a fat fuck all the time. She's like, well, Jeff is a fat fuck. Oscar is just big bones. Yeah. And it's amazing. Now, we know we know that Susie loves uh, Oscar much more than Jeff because she said that repeatedly. She said when it was either him or her. Him <laughs> right. Or him. Yeah. It wasn't even yeah. a question. Yeah. Uh, and the book, he agrees with Susie. He thinks that Oscar is very lean and just right and wonders what they feed him uh, yeah. and also wants to know where they live. Uh, Susie's like very vague and evasive. She's like, oh, you know, in the neighborhood. And Larry's like, so oh. So Susie basically is also racist and assumes he's going to come and, and kill and eat her dog. Well, it was I mean, it was it was it's kind of a weird question. Like. Oh, sure. What a no, beautiful yes, dog. Set, what do you yeah. feed him and where do you live? <laughs> yeah, no. It's set up very awkwardly. I agree. I would also the, be like, the, uh, the, yeah. you know, in town. <laughs> the, 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 the question for the writers is, yeah, I, I guess it's not Larry exposing the, the racism of uh, racial stereotypes against Asian Americans. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. Larry, and, and, Larry's, and Larry's like, oh, they live, you know, around the corner to the right, right next to this house, you know, with the garage, special garage, uh, you know, gives them like exact uh, coordinates. Yeah. And there's honestly, there's no reason not to, because as we know him, he's a great guy. Sung. Yeah, yeah. Larry has no reason yeah. to think he's up to anything other than you know he just really well, admires his dog. I mean, but Larry is the Larry is the first one to expressly jump to that conclusion, right? And I guess the truth is so. he is also like specifically giving it to like troll Susie here. Is that why Larry's doing it? I think so. Oh, I, I, thought La- I thought Larry's just clueless to Susie's reticence. No, I think he sees that like Susie doesn't want this guy oh. to know. And he's like, oh, I'll tell you exactly where she lives. That's how I read it. Mm. Ah, okay. That's possible. Yeah. So um, Larry's driving with Jeff. And Jeff is like, what the hell did you have to do that for? Why do you have to call the dog fat? Like, you know, you could say that to me, but you can't say that to Susie. Larry says, you know, I had a dog once. And it's kind of like having a bum living in your house. Uh, and Jeff is like, really? I think it's just the opposite. I think of it as when everyone else can't stand me. He's the only one who loves me, um, which we, I think we've seen a very big reversal with Jeff's attitude towards this dog. Yeah, I thought he was allergic to it. He was allergic it. to it. He hated it. Yeah. He had to move into a hotel because of it. Now it's like his best friend. Um, I guess it's true what they say. Dogs become your best friend. Um, I have no interest in having a dog, but, you know. Neither did Jeff. Who, to those who do, yeah, I guess neither did Jeff. But uh, yeah. I'm pretty confident that I would uh, stand by that opinion. Prediction. You will be calling me for to visit my dog. <laughs> Prediction. Yeah. I will never see you or your dog ever again. I mean, people say it's like, you know, the worst episode ever of Seinfeld. But I feel line. like, I, 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 yeah, the good, I, I whip out my finger and say prediction all the time. So. <laughs> prediction. Um, yeah, even the worst episodes of Seinfeld have uh, some bright yeah. moments. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So um, Larry all of a sudden wants to stop the car because he sees a car that looks exactly like Heinemann's car. Only it hasn't been fixed, and despite the fact that Larry gave him the $1,500 to fix it. So he goes inside to the deli and sees, oh, sure enough, Heinemann is sitting there in the booth, and he confronts him. He wants to know what's, what happened with the money, how, what happened to your car. And he says, well, it's none of your business, but if you must know, I gave the money to my daughter who really needed it for something badly more than I needed it. Of course, Larry, that's not enough for Larry. He keeps probing, and Heinemann's like, no, get out of here. You know, I've, you know, he already has told Larry way more than he should have. Like, he should have just said, get the, go to hell. Who the hell are you? Now, where, what's your take on this? Um, yeah, I think Larry's being, like, you know, obnoxious and it's none of his no, business. No, I'm not talking about that. Oh, but do that? you think that it's an ethical obligation to um, use the money? I don't know. I think that he's, he's, he's entitled to just take the money and then pocket it and do whatever he wants with it. It is weird to have that kind of car, though. And then leave it like like this shiny gold Cadillac, which is like everyone look at my car, and then leave it with a big dent on it. Yeah, though. I mean, I guess he could get it. He plans to get it fixed eventually, but his uh, his daughter had a more pressing so, need for the so money. So what what do we assume happened at the end of the last episode? So she jumps off the ski lift. Um, I guess what she needed the money for was not other surgery. Her body seems to be fine. She didn't break any bones. It seems like doesn't seem like it. Um, but she went home. Uh, she went back to the to the ski house, and she said to her dad. Uh, this guy's a fraud. He's eating edible underwear. Didn't know what Shkia Sahama was. It made me jump off the ski lift. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the gist of what he told him. <laughs> okay. And now when he comes into the restaurant this time, he doesn't even put the yamaka on. He's not even pretending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, his, his cover is blown. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so I think I, I will distinguish, though. Like, I think, I mean, we could talk about it later, but I think the, this scenario is a little bit different from the jacket just because of the nature of the relationship. So, like, at this point, like, Heinemann has no obligation to Larry that, like, he should be embarrassed of anything about Larry. Like, if Larry gave him the money, like, fuck Larry, okay? Like, yeah. whereas Larry and Marla is, is, is a different, yeah. 
you know, social dynamic. Yes. So I, I think agree. it's a different scenario. I agree. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Larry comes out and he uh, he debriefs Jeff on the whole situation. And Susie calls to report that Oscar's at the vet. He's very sick because he ate three boxes of Oreos, apparently. Mm. And Larry feels kind of vindicated because he's the one earlier who said, who asked what, <laughs> what they're feeding him. Yeah. Now, Larry asks Jeff to ask Susie how the Knicks did. Right. Yeah. Which makes no <laughs> fucking sense at all. Number one, why the hell would Susie know how the Knicks did? Second of all, it's the middle of the day. This game happened last night, right? So Larry made no effort to find out all night last night, all day yesterday, like yesterday, all this morning, and I only suddenly thinks of it like at noon when Susie calls. So that really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, do you remember you were once at my house and um, it was a Knicks playoffs game and I had to go to great lengths to find out the result of the Knicks playoff game? Uh, I don't remember the specific game. Was it against the Heat or something? It was against the Pacers. It was game six of the 99 Eastern Conference Finals. And uh. you, so you were there, and uh, Nahi Light was there. Are you sure? One hundred percent sure. Okay. Oh, did we have like a final that weekend or something? Probably. Is that the weekend I ran? Is that the weekend I ran away from uh, from Rabbi uh, Rabbi Cohn? That could be. No, because oh, right. I think my parents were there that weekend. This one they were not. Okay. Anyway, we because uh, we you know we we weren't we wouldn't we didn't watch the game because it was uh, Friday night Shabbat. So yeah. we like me and Nahi Light like walked like two miles to like a gas station to see if we could find someone who would tell us the score. <laughs> yeah, then, that, that's the closest place you have to walk from uh, your parents' house. That's crazy. Well, it was like it was like very late. It was like midnight, ah, so it's like okay. nothing was really open on, except like mm-hmm. on the really main road. I, I walked uh, to the what my what my dad insists on calling downtown Englewood, which is very funny to me that he calls it downtown. He's like, I'm going downtown if you need anything <laughs> about Palisade Avenue. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I just walked down there. and There's, like, sports bars that'll be, that will be that I've gone into uh, when necessary yeah. for that purpose. Yeah. So we're at the vet, and uh, Larry's waiting in the front. He sees a stranger, and he's like, hey, do you know who won the Knicks game? And he's like, oh, well, it went to overtime, but they lost. And Larry's very upset that he uh, lost the bet. He's sitting down. He's holding his hands in his face, shaking back and forth. And as now, hold he's on. doing I, this— I want to get, I, I wanna get to this guy also. So he asks a random stranger in Los Angeles all the way across the country, Right. That's I think that's also kind of weird. Like this is a unless this is like a, a major game. Is this like the conference finals or something? Now I guess we said it's May. So if the Knicks are still playing this far after Passover, it actually has to be a serious playoff game, which is how you know this is a fictional show. But <laughs> well, um, and the Clippers are also in the playoffs and the Celtics will later learn. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it feels like regular teams. season from the way he's like betting like, oh, this night this I mean, I guess it could yeah, be playoffs. But, but it it doesn't make sense from narratively because again, we Passover was at a minimum if it's in real time Passover was 2 weeks ago. And Passover happens in mid-April, which is a, the very end of the NBA regular season going into the playoffs. By the time this episode is in terms of the narrative of of, you know, needing the kidney and everything, it has to be May. So yeah, that doesn't really make sense. They didn't think about that. But um if it's a playoff game, I guess that kind of would make sense, but in terms of what my question is, which is why would some random stranger know the na- like a game for a team all the way on the other side of the country? I mean, somebody might know if they're a big basketball fan, but it seems like sort right. of odd that this guy immediately knows all the details of the game. And if Larry is going to be this upset about losing 150 bucks, which, as you said, makes no sense because he has 500 million and also we know he loves to waste money. But like if he's going to be upset about it, then why did he not care enough again to find out the score at any point until now? It's like right. it makes no sense. Yeah, we've seen him buy a newspaper on the street in the, like just two episodes ago. The past four episodes. So, yeah, very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as he's uh, <laughs> as he's sitting there, uh, Cheryl and Susie and Jeff come out. And they, of course, mistake this sadness for genuine sadness about Oscar. And, of course, he plays along because he doesn't want to admit, oh, actually, no, I don't give a shit about your dog. I'm just upset about losing a immaterial amount of money. $150, yeah. Um, so we're back at home and Cheryl says, oh, you have some mail. And it turns out it's an apology note from Marla along with a check for $150. And Larry's very touched and impressed by this gesture. Um, and it says, you know, I think it probably makes sense to keep the money because, you know, I don't want to mess up her books. Yeah. Which uh, was a very lame <laughs> I, excuse. He's like, oh, yeah, because it's happened to me yeah. before. Like I did. I threw out checks and it messed up their accounting. I, I love, though, the way Larry says it screws up the books reminds me very much of they write it off. Yeah, it's sort of like the same attitude. attitude. Yeah, well, it's they're the ones spoken spoken yeah. by a man who's never done his own books. Yes, or doesn't have books. Yeah, he probably has yeah. books now. 
Yeah, thank God we don't have to do that. That sounds like that sounds like a terrible thing that people used to have to do is like balance your checkbook occasionally. Yeah, like yourself instead of a computer doing it. You're saying. Well, I don't. You don't even. I don't even like balance. It just whatever. You just you go to your website. Yeah. It tells you how much money you have. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I remember my my dad used to, even when I was a very little kid. I think it was almost a way to like practice my math. He'd give me like a stack of checks and tell me to order them. Like, cause you you would like write a check, you give it to somebody, they would deposit it, then the check would be right. returned. Come to back you. and different right, whatever right. The order of deposit, not the order when you wrote yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And so then my dad would have these checks. I guess that he'd written to people for different things, and he'd want and he would order them and keep keep them in his books. I guess those books that we're talking about. So he'd have me order these checks, and usually, you know, they're all they're relatively close. Right. But then sometimes I get a check from like six months earlier, and I'm all excited because it's like, oh, that's in the the four hundreds, and we're in the nine hundreds, or whatever it was. But um, yeah, I don't know where we're storing these checks nowadays. I get a check, to me, I take a picture with my phone, and then I rip it into pieces. Correct. So those those people's books are all messed up. Right. The first thing I do is say, "Why are you sending me a check?" Yeah. <laughs> I got a check for 10 cents uh, just last week. Well, I was very I was very excited to uh, spend the uh, two minutes depositing it to my app. Yeah, well, given that you're, you've been going around uh, sending one cent to people on Venmo or uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I could afford to send that to 10 more people. Uh, by the way, my son, my spoiled brat of a son, um, I offered him a dime to, to do some work um, the other day, and he turned it down. I should have told him how much work his father's putting in for a dime. Yeah, did I tell you that I got banned from Venmo? <laughs> Why? Because you rejected people's one cent gifts? No, I have no. I don't really know. I mean, I have a suspicion that I know. I got like a very weird payment from like it was actually like someone from either I think from Korea, Korea or China. I don't remember. Um, Fits with this episode. It was your bookie? Yeah, it was my bookie. Um, I just got like money, like fifty dollars, and said like you've received a Venmo payment. And I was like, I don't know, like I don't know what that is, but like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, it's like okay, so someone sent me money. I I, I, yeah. I figured I figured it was probably a mistake, and that somebody would eventually figure it out and like would would like request a refund, and I would send the money back. But like I, I didn't really like, know what to do, so I just kind of ignored it. Yeah. And then like three weeks later, I got an email that like there's a, a dispute and an investigation into like some into my account. And then like a week later, I got an email saying my my account has been closed and I'm permanently banned from Venmo. And I was like, because I, they suspect you're a foul play. I have no idea. So I, I e- didn't they ask you? So I e- no nothing. So I emailed them. I'm like, hey, what's this about? They're like, sorry, our you you violated our terms of service. I was like, okay, <laughs> like how? What did I do wrong? Like I'm like I'm sure this is just a misunderstanding. Yeah. And they're like, we're sorry, our policy doesn't allow us to tell you the reason. <laughs> I'm like this is crazy. Like you know, everyone's yeah, on Twitter is talking about like policy. Orwellian. Yeah. This is Orwellian. Like you, you're just yeah. throwing me off and you won't even tell me what I did wrong. Yeah. Um, so you're like Trump. You've been unfairly kicked off of social media. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I've been dealing with something similar with the New York DMV right now, and it's very frustrating. I'm not going to get into a rant on this podcast, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've they, heard they not made great a mistake. The they made a mistake, and it is not It is not in my favor. So getting them to uh, – they've, they've acknowledged the mistake, but getting them to formally uh, undo the mistake seems to be a little yeah. more challenging. Oh, so it's, it's similarly the uh... – the uh, what's it called? The car accident. I told you my wife got into a car accident once, and she got uh, cleared by the camera. Yeah. So one other problem was when they wrote up the uh, the accident report. They wrote the people in the accident report were her and me because like they copied it off like the registration and like they they like just forgot about the other guy. Uh, okay. So like they put me <laughs> as the name of the guy who was in the other car that got into an accident with her. Like this is crazy. With yourself, yeah. With, like with her, like in different yeah. cars. <laughs> like I was in this other guy's car. I wonder how often a, uh, a, a, a a couple, a romantic couple, in opposite cars get into an accident with each other. Probably not often. Yeah. Although it happened to uh, Tiger as a result of – no, it, it was his car and I think a fire hydrant or a wall or something, but it was caused by his wife. Yeah. That probably happens more often. Yeah, that probably happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not getting smacked with the golf club from outside the car, though. Yeah. So um, – Did you watch that documentary? No, I didn't watch it. Oh. Is it good? It was entertaining. I'm like I'm like kind of like I don't really care about Tiger at this point. Uh, yeah. Did, did you watch um, MLK um, MLK FBI? No. Oh, what's that? Are you familiar with that? No. Oh, it just came out uh, last week uh, in theaters, but also streaming. It's about it's about Martha, it's about Martin Luther King and the FBI. Oh, it's a documentary. Okay, I love yeah, it yeah. now. Yeah. Um, well, because that's another documentary I just saw in the last week. Is it good? So. Yeah, I mean the same the same as the Tiger one, like. I think you know, part of the problem is because, like, in advance of watch, watching the documentary, I listened to the director on a couple of podcasts, and I did a bunch of research beyond, like, what I already knew. And so, 
it's not like that I spoil. You're not really spoiling yourself. It's not like a a mystery who done it. It's like a historical record. Right. But it sort of made it that like I didn't. There wasn't that much stuff that that I did, that I sort of learned new. It wasn't like I was watching a documentary about a topic I knew nothing. Like I had no background in. Right. So I certainly enjoyed both of them. But I mean, it was almost like the last dance. It's I mean, not the same gravity, obviously. But like you know, it was it was an enjoyable and well produced portrayal of a narrative and a story of something that actually happened but it wasn't like oh my god i didn't know that before so although there was some parts i never knew and we're getting really off topic here but i never knew that jagger hoover came out publicly and like attacked he called martin luther king publicly in the newspapers he said he was like the most dishonest man in america what was he then i martin luther king did he really have a dream <laughs> uh, yeah or did he just make but, up um, a dream yeah, but um, no, but like this, like I, I knew like that he was out to get him and he was spying on him and he was sending him this letter right. telling him to kill himself. Like I knew all that stuff. I didn't know that he actually came out publicly. Um, and if he was willing to come out publicly and say that, then I wonder why he wasn't willing to come out publicly and say more of the things that he was trying to get others to come out and say. So anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this is a, yeah, this is a pro MLK podcast. Yes. <laughs> and anti J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. That movie was very bad. J. Edgar, horrible movie. Um. Yeah. Leo, Leo, I, yeah. Yeah. He's also he's like well, first of all, yeah, it would like they attempting attempting to age Leo, you know, many decades didn't really work. But I just thought that like Jagger Hoover's life is so ridiculous that like it's almost better in documentary form than in cinema like in fictional form. Right. Okay. So Yeah, so Larry's very impressed by the gesture. Cheryl's impressed that Larry like mm-hmm. recognized it as a gesture. Mm-hmm. And impressed is one way to put it. Yeah, Larry's like, well, you know, I'm always good at recognizing my faults and saying I'm sorry. Um, but my mom always said most people aren't like you, Larry. Most people aren't like you. And Cheryl agrees. Most people are not like Larry. Yeah. Uh, but mostly, she's happy that like now they can just go to the wedding and it'll be comfortable and like it won't be awkward with about everything about the jacket. Yeah. Um, she's also, you know, just very touched about how sensitive and caring Larry was about Oscar earlier, and he, of course, plays into it further, and this results in a little daytime sex, which he loves, because you can just go on with the rest of the day as if nothing happens. Yeah, and and we know that Cheryl considers daytime sex very really kinky, kinky. Very kinky. So, yeah, she's she's really, uh, really yeah, touched by really Larry giving a shit about by, someone else's dog. By, yeah, Larry's <laughs> sensitivity to Oscar. Yeah. Um, so we're over at Jeff's house, and as Larry comes in, he hears Susie calling for Oscar. No, everyone's looking for him. He seems to be missing. Uh, we learned that they left him sedated in the backyard, and Larry wonders, maybe the Korean bookie came and took him, out, completely out of left field. All we know about him is that he knows where they live. Yeah. Um, since Koreans, and he's Korean. Since, Kore- since he's Korean, yes. and Koreans eat dogs. Of course. Um, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? That's crazy, Larry. <laughs> like, he didn't come and kidnap our dog so that he can eat him. Yeah, so Hasidim have sex through sheets. Koreans eat dogs. These are the uh, the the deep understandings of uh, other cultures with Larry. Yeah, um, so Larry goes to see him at the the flower shop. He's a bookie slash flower shop owner. Yeah, um, and turns out he's actually doing the flowers at Marlon Mark's wedding coming up. Uh, so Larry, well, really small town. To There's only there. one florist in LA. Yes. Um, and and <laughs> Larry <laughs> owes him $150 for the bet, but he doesn't have any cash on him, so he signs over the $150 check from Marla to to the bookie. Now, hold on a second. Larry came over specifically for the purpose of paying back his book, to, to, for being right. his bookie. But didn't bring him. Last time, the bookie shows up at his house, like sort of unexpectedly. Here he comes knowing that he owes the guy 150 bucks. Yeah, I mean, he's specifically going to pay him, but doesn't bring him money. Yeah. It's a strange decision, yeah. Yeah, and and he also Larry was kicked off of Edmo for reasons similar to you. So, yeah, um, so he signs over the check, and for his next bet, he thinks. Way, have you ever done this in your life, signing over a check? Um, I don't know if I've done it or someone did it to me. I've I've seen it done. I've uh, I've, okay. I've been involved in a transaction. It's where not this has done occurred. in polite society or in polite society. Yeah, but in Seinfeld, it's a, like a frequently occurring. Thing. I think it used to happen more frequently mm. when yeah. people like use checks more. When people used to go to chemical bank. That's right. Yeah. Burnt. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what you want to do. Um, yeah, I think it was more common. I, f- I feel like I remember my parents doing this sometimes. I don't know. Um, yeah, so uh, for his next bet, he uh, he wants to put 300 bucks on the Celtics, and he sees uh, the bookie eating what looks like a very delicious sandwich, and the bookie says, yeah, it's the best meat. Mm. The bookie continuing to say things 
that uh, you, there's no reason to say unless you're trying to have someone <laughs> right, someone be you. suspicious of you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Larry's like, oh, you know, Oscar's missing. Uh, do you happen to know anything about that? And he's like, no, why would I know anything about that? And Larry does... mouth is like stuffed. <laughs> yeah, so Larry does the, uh, the eye interrogation and he's uh, still a little suspicious. Mm. So we're at the wedding. The, finally, the big day is here. It's the 14th. And uh, Jeff is like, hey, by the way, I think I just saw Heidemann's car in the lot. I wonder what's the deal. Why is he here? And speaking of what's the deal, what's the deal with that ridiculous straw hat you're wearing, Larry? And Larry explains, I'm married. I can do whatever I want. And Jeff notices that there's a lot of uh, large-breasted women at this wedding, uh, which Larry's like, yeah, that makes sense because it's probably a lot of Mark's patients that are, you know, here as, as guests at the wedding. But by the way, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. No. Well, doctor, Doctors yeah, do, the there's like confident, yeah, they don't invite all their patients. It's my eight them. closest friends and then the eight <laughs> people whose breasts I enlarge. Seems like a lot more than eight from yeah. Jeff and Larry's conversation. Yeah. Um, so uh, off in the corner, Larry spots uh, Rachel Heineman, who mm-hmm. now has much larger breasts. And Larry puts together that that must have been the, where the $1,500 went, um, which I have to say, I think getting a breast, breast implant is probably a lot more than $1,500. Well, so maybe it's only part of Rachel the will, Rachel will say that, the, the, uh, the portion of the bottom of the lower left or whatever. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, L- Larry doesn't respect, obviously, what kind of doctor this is. Yes. Because, I mean, you could probably get a boob job somewhere for 1500 bucks. I guess but... that's true. Yeah, probably not. A good Everything's one. relative. Yeah. I remember back, uh, you know, when when I used to live in the city. Actually, this is I think of when we were in high school. There used to be ads all the time in high school on the subway for like a nine hundred and ninety nine dollar LASIK eye surgery. And I always thought, like, I don't know if like the the safest doctor is the one who's advertising in the subway that like that his price is like the lowest price. I don't know. It's probably not the safest. Yeah, I'm just you don't need to get your eyes lasered so that you don't wear contacts or glasses, but like. If you do, like, if you can't afford, like, you know, the, not the subway guy, then probably just don't do it. It's not like the end of the world to wear contacts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wear glasses. It's fine. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't need lasers in my eyes. Yeah. Although we had an alum of our school, who's the fam- of our high school, the famous Dr. Z, who would also advertise in the subway. Yeah. Dr. But Z- that's a little Dr. different Z- than, li- yeah, but Thanks, that's a little Dr. different Z- than, Z-more. yeah, but that's a little bit different than uh, putting lasers in people's eyeballs, I feel like. Um. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I, especially I don't twenty want, years ago when yeah, the technology was. Yeah, I don't want lasers in my eyes. I'm not into yeah. it. Hmm. Um, I think I'm not even eligible because I have like weird eye stuff, but um, not into it regardless. Um, so uh, Larry, you uh, usually have to pay those doctors at Venmo. So yeah, you're. Not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so what does Larry do? Of course, he goes over to confront this poor woman, and but but, but no, but he also he tells Jeff about about his suspicion. About about the dog, right? Um, with a conversation which ends with, "I'm sure he didn't eat your dog." Larry says <laughs> half reassuringly, which is um, and he says uh, he highlights her transformation, mm. and she acknowledges, saying her father thought it would help her socially, but Larry disagrees, yes. saying, "You know, sometimes less is more." Yeah. And you know, I think you went a little bit too big here, and yeah. you know, you're never going to land someone like me. And, and and hold on, she says her exact line is. We, we meaning her and her father together, we thought they would be festive if they were appropriately sized. <laughs> I got to say, festive is like the strangest possible adjective to use here. Yeah, it's also a very like, strange if I asked thing you to, to be describe with dress, your father. Well, and some random stranger who pretended to be someone else when lying to your father for, <laughs> for a scheme. But like, if I said to you, Av, give me adjectives that one would use, a woman would use to describe her own breasts. With or without her father, either way. Festive, obviously. Festive. What do you mean the top thousand? I don't understand where this word comes from. <laughs> yeah, it's weird writing. Yeah, appropriately sized. Um, and uh, Mark happens to pass by, and Larry uh, decides to get him involved in the conversation <laughs> and pile on, uh, yeah. wondering, were you drunk at the time that you made these breasts? Look how big they are. And Mark yeah. thinks they're perfect, of course. They're, it's his work after all. Now, hold on. Uh, uh, now Larry and Mark are such good friends that Larry can sort of needle him like that? Because yeah. that's like a totally fine thing for your friend to say, but like a totally obnoxious thing for somebody. To <laughs> yeah, him, no, so. I, yeah, I agree. It's very obnoxious. Yeah. Um, and Larry's like, well, you know, I paid for these, by the way. Um, no, one, <laughs> no one seems to uh, be very impressed by this. Um, he, again, over here, just asks a random guy, do you know if this, the Celtics score from yesterday, I think he yeah. says. So it's like now it's like 24 hours have passed, and Larry well, yeah. it's insane. hasn't found out the score. Uh, he says, oh, they lost. And again, he goes into mourning. He starts putting 
putting his hands in his face and sobbing. And yeah. My theory, by the way, is these have to be the Western, like the, the, the conference finals are the Celtics against the Knicks and the Clippers against the, um, did we get another team? I mentioned? don't think so. No. Because the the time it's in May, number one, number two, the only way it's logical that around the country everybody knows the results of these games involving all these teams is that like that's the only game remaining, and also that explains why he's so pissed at losing to the Knicks. He's gonna flip. He's like, oh, I'm gonna vote for the. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the. Ah and, ah, and ah, it's, ah You just said vote. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh wait, was that with Akiva or you? That, that was, was with Akiva. Oh. <laughs> Good call. Um, that's funny. I don't think I've ever said that. Now it's in my brain. Um, but yeah, but he says I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on, and then there's sort of a pause, and then Sung correctly guesses the Celtics, right? So that only happens if those are the only two options, right? Otherwise, what's Sung guessing randomly out of thirty teams and just guess guess correctly? Right. Yeah. So my, my opinion is that in this alternative universe, uh, in two thousand five or six, whatever year it's supposed to be. Um, the the Clipper the Clippers were playing somebody in the Western Conference Finals and the Knicks were playing the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah. So when the, uh, Cheryl and Susie come over to console him, they realize that it's really just because of the game. The guy's like, "Oh, I just told him that the Celtics lost," and they put together that this is the exact same way he was reacting yesterday, and it must have been that he had nothing to do with Oscar at all. And yeah. And by the way, there's ways for Larry to cover this up. Like they they can accuse him of that, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, no, I've just been really emotional for the last couple of days. I think it's because of the Oscar thing. I haven't been able to get over it, and now everything's triggering me. He could say something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's just like, all right, well, I'm going to go yeah. get my jacket for the car. It's yeah. cold. <laughs> um, so we fast forward, and it's the uh, ceremony, and, you know, they're about to do the vows and everything. And Marla spots Larry wearing the jacket, and she interrupts her own wedding ceremony <laughs> to make a big deal of this. She's like, why? She's a why sociopath. You, why do you still have this stain? I, I sent you the money. Why did you buy a new coat? And he's like, I can do whatever I want with it. And they start bickering about the ethics of it. She says, well, the memo said to replace the fleece jacket, which I don't think that's <laughs> binding. Um, <laughs> and everyone's yelling at Larry. But, yeah, I, I think here, like. It, I've used memos before, by the way, for that purpose. Yeah, specifically here where it's like. He's, he said what a nice gesture it was. Like, you should then use the money to buy a new coat. Like, not just, you know. Yeah. And then you shouldn't specifically go wear the stained coat to her wedding. Yeah. That's rubbing yeah. in her face a little not bit. Not great here, Larry. Yeah. Well, Larry can only afford one coat. You know, he's struggling. He lost 150 bucks. <laughs> That's right. Well, he's lost now, um, I think, 450 bucks. Oh, yeah. Or 550 bucks, right? It was 100, then 150, then 300. So 550 ah, bucks. Is that total? Yeah. I think so. Um, so yeah, so we're at the buffet and Jeff is raving about the food. The meat is so mm. good. Uh, Larry's like, wow, what is it? Who, you know, what's the food? And he's like, oh, the Korean florist brought it. So I guess this is like a potluck wedding. Yeah. The flower guy brings food to the wedding and it's just served. Yeah. I don't really understand what, what's happening at this yeah. wedding. Um, and Larry immediately starts gagging and spitting and screaming that the dog, that this dish was made out of Oscar, it's dog, it's dog meat, and everyone else immediately buys this. And I guess, you know, they're just grossed out enough from even hearing it. And they follow suit. They start screaming and retching. But and what, what evidence, just to be clear, does Larry have that the Pulgagi, as it's called, yeah. is Oscar, such that he should start this insane ruckus? No, it's purely no, the fact that no he's evidence. Korean? I, I see That's it. Okay. Um... And we see uh, Larry and Cheryl getting to the car to leave, and Oscar jumps in front of the car as they're driving it away, and Larry has forced to swerve and crashes into the other side of Heidemann's car. Mm. And so he, he nicely gets out and leaves a note, and, you know, maybe this will result in Richard getting his kidney this time. Mm. Where did Oscar go, and how did he reappear at the Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, why is he at the beach? Yeah, it makes no yeah. sense. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, let's, let's jump into the ratings. This is, a, this is the second time this season I watched an episode that, like, I didn't have a lot of memories of. The only thing I, re- I remembered as soon as the episode started was I remembered Rachel's ridic- ridiculous boob job. Right. So, like, I enjoyed watching an episode not knowing what was going to happen with the plot. Yeah. But, but honestly, it's like, first of all, the, the, the Asians eating dogs is, like, tired, stupid, racist plot. Someone paying you to fix something and then you using the money for something else is kind of an interesting curb thing to discuss, but not really. I say this episode is pretty good. It's I give it one pretty. I actually rank it dead last for what we've seen so far. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm not far off from you, but a little bit higher. 
Um, the only the only thing I remembered about this uh, episode is the final scene with everyone puking on the beach as Larry screams at the dog. So ah, I was just okay. like waiting for that uh, that payoff at the at the end. But yeah, um, uh, you know, I'll echo everything that you said. It's a lot of the stuff just doesn't make sense. The whole bookie storyline is just very out of place. Doesn't really add anything. Lots of you know weird stereotypes. And yeah, not not, not it doesn't bring that much. So I will give it a pretty pretty good one and a half pretties. Mm. So, yeah, we went from, like, one of the best episodes to one of the worst uh, from last week to this week. Yeah. Well, you know, that's how it goes in Curb. Mm. But as we said earlier about Seinfeld, like, even, you know, even the worst episodes are still, you know, I laughed several times, so. Yeah, yeah, it has it has its moments. Yeah. All right, Av, who's your come with guy? If I come with guy, I'm going to go with uh, Rachel Heineman because, you know, She's uh, taking care of business. She's uh, she's proud. She's going to flaunt it. She's festive. She's festive. And uh, she puts Larry in his place. Okay. Um, to me, the, the come with guy has to be sung. He's a bookie. He's a flower guy. He loves dogs. He makes great meat. He's friendly to everyone, even when they're super racist towards him. Like, he is quite a guy. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. He's, uh, he's a um, most interesting man, you might say. Yeah, also true. Um, but I guess none of his business – I mean, is his flower job not doing so well? That's why he has to uh, – He seems like he's like a hustler. He has his, he has his hand in many uh, vases, let's say. Yeah. He has, a, you know, but, he has a lot um, of things going on. I mean, look, the truth is the only wedding he can do is a wedding where he also has to bring food. <laughs> right, yeah. He's a bookie. He's a caterer. Yeah. He's a florist, you know. <laughs> yeah. He, he has true. a lot of side hustles, I bet. Yeah. All right. I think we might have more unanimity on this one, but who's the worst? Person? Yeah, I mean that's obviously Marla. She's absolutely yeah. awful. Um, she steals a coat. She, um, you know, interrupts her own wedding service to call Larry out for for the coat. Yeah, yeah she's uh, she's not a very good. She's I mean she does send a nice apology note, so that's a point in her favor and sends the money. Ooh. But yeah. mostly she's kind of crazy. So you know, I I say this couple deserves each other. Mm. So now, do you want to come back? Do you think he stole the newspapers? Because last <laughs> week you definitely thought he did not. Is that what I, I don't know what I concluded on that. I think it was like left unclear. Oh, my, I think at the Seder, I think he did steal the newspapers. I mean, the timing makes sense. Yeah. That he immediately starts getting the paper again the next day. Yeah. Except then, the they, except there, it had an item in the paper about some completely different person who who. So yeah, that the ending of that that's that episode is very unclear. Yeah, I think they both could be true. Yeah, they could both be true. Yeah. Is it time for us to go to the postman? It is. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! Um, We have three emails this week. First one is from William Blake. He says, My name is Will, and I thought they would be festive if appropriately sized. Sorry for missing the last month or so. I was recovering from giving my friend a kidney. Oh, that's very nice, if true. Uh, Larry's episode checklist. He says, I'm, I'm sorry that your uh, ruse with the uh, with the local Orthodox Jewish kidney impresario didn't work out. Yes. <laughs> um, he says, Larry brought a jacket to the beach. Larry doesn't burn the whole s'more. Larry is concerned about Oscar's health. Larry is reasonably pissed about the car not being fixed. Larry shows appropriate emotion for Oscar. Larry wears appropriate hat. I really don't see how Larry's at fault for anything here. This may be peak <laughs> shit face grin, righteous indignation. I'm right, Larry. <laughs> Um, yeah, except he's not really concerned about Oscar's health, right? He's pretty. No, I, I think. Well, r- read what he said again. He's the perfect amount of concerned. Oh, fair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, which was appropriate which is, emotion for Oscar. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess he means earlier he's concerned about his health when he's when he says that he's fat. That's what he's talking about. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> for uh, the come with guy, he says Jeff for alerting Larry to Tittygate. <laughs> <laughs> and for uh wait is Tittygate what he calls that wedding um i think he might have i think i uh <laughs> i use the a, a, a cleaner term uh for the worst uh, person wait, he... you used a cleaner term i did <laughs> wait what did it say i don't remember if that was the exact phrase of the episode but i just wrote i just wrote that there's a lot of large-breasted women uh, okay i think i missed something but we'll carry on um he says, for a come with guy, he gives it to, oh, sorry, to Jeff, um, for the worst person. He says, Marla, of course. She started with the oh, yeah. jacket, and she let the jacket ruin her wedding ceremony. 4.5, pretty out of 5. Oh, wow. So William, very high on the episode. Next is from Zach Brooks. He said, is it true that you can wear whatever you want once you get married? Not true at all. Um, the asshole of the week is Marlo. Well, you know what you can wear whatever you want, though? 
when there's a global pandemic, they don't leave your house for you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he yeah. says the asshole of the week is Marla, except for racist Larry. And he forgot this episode, but it is the most predictable we've seen. He gives it two pretties out of five. Um, should we rename the worst person the asshole of the week? <laughs> yeah, we could call that asshole of the week. That's that's a, good. I mean, what's like a term that's used frequently in this show in that context? I th- I think asshole is used fairly often in Curb. Like people call Larry an asshole. Yeah, that's true. They call him a fucking asshole also. Yeah, okay, so we, why don't we make it the fucking asshole of the week? <laughs> we can also right. do the fat fuck of the week and give it to Jeff every week. <laughs> we get up that as a, well, I think, no, this week we go to Oscar, actually. Yeah, yeah, Oscar is a fat fuck. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right, so the fucking asshole of the week, he says, uh, Marla. Yeah. And, and um, fat fuck Oscar ends Jeff's uh, streak of uh, many episodes in a row. Yes. Um, all right, finally. Actually, no, the, the fat fuck two weeks ago would have been uh, Steve Tobolowsky. Oh, no, he was the asshole of the week. Len Dunkel. I guess he can't be both. Yeah. Uh, He's not really fat. Just he was an asshole. He's a big asshole. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, you think uh, he was would have supported the uh, insurrection at the Capitol? Uh, he would have given an obnoxious argument justifying it and saying that Black Lives Matter was worse or something like that. Right. But, he, I mean, he's not showing up there. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean. No. He's very lazy. Uh, all right. Final email is from Olin Allen. He says, "Although that son of his might have grown up and shown up there." Yeah, yeah, I could see. And then that he kid. would definitely, he would definitely be emailing all his friends to like raise money for like bail for his son, and ranting about you know the uh, the, the liberal activist judges who were out to get him or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, that sounds right. Okay. Yeah. I think we uh, I think we nailed it. <laughs> Len Dunkel. All right. Last email is from Olin Allen. He says he found this to be a fun episode after no expectations. Probably my favorite of the season so far. Oh, wow. But was very hard for the villains to come with guys as characters consistently kept swinging from bad to good to bad throughout. The Korean bookie bookie was a good, lively character, obviously picked up the implications with the dog straight away and Larry announcing the food was Oscar. The dog was so over the top and just so fun and delightful. Maybe my favorite of season five. Wow. So are we very off? Well, Zach agreed with us, uh, but Olin and well, it sounds like the uh, the people across the ponds, maybe. Ah, perhaps this episode. Um, so he gives it yeah four and a half breeze out of five. Villain of the week, he says Cheryl. I left that a big f sake when Cheryl just kept banging on about the jacket. She totally should have been Larry's side or at least sympathetic to him. Having his car effectively trespassed and his items stolen, such a big argument. I felt this was going to lead directly down the route of divorce. Oh, wow. um, come with Gal, he says. He'll double up and say Cheryl again, managing to overcome her Catholic prudishness with an offer of daytime sex and happy to make <laughs> out on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't assume, Olin, that uh, they might not be getting divorced next week because next week's episode is called The End. The End. All right. That might be the last episode of the series. We don't. Yeah. Might be the last episode of the series of their of their marriage. Who knows? What might be the last episode of TV ever. Mm. But you know what? It was the end of this week, Chester. Wow. <laughs> No, we don't talk about that anymore. I think a certain Raider and reviewer may be pleased to know that... We can talk about Trump a lot less. <laughs> yeah, there's, there should be much less reason to talk about him, because... Yeah, um, let's hope. Donald Trump is not the president anymore, and yeah. that is... Pretty, 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 pretty good.